I put a question on our group in Facebook as to where you got to last two weeks while we were gone. I got six different answers. <laughs> yeah, he told me that he didn't cover any less than 19, 20, or anything like that. Sounded like it was a good discussion. Some said we covered less than 19, and some said we hadn't even looked at it. And I said, well, I've covered it so many times in studying at home that I don't remember whether we looked at it or not. Cause <laughs> well, looking at it sometimes helps to know whether or not you studied it. Um, but looking at it, I, I thought, well, some said we didn't cover it at all, and I thought, well, you know, that, that sure looks familiar to me. Lesson 19 is uh, Joshua is commanded to apportion the land, inheritance of Caleb, the land of Judah, the land of Ephraim and Asaph. <laughs> Are we in the book of Joshua? <laughs> yeah. I handed out Bible bites number eight and nine, I think. We might look at one of them in just a minute. We'll have a prayer after these people come in. We were discussing, for those of you that came in, discussing whether or not we had looked at Lesson 19. I know that the last two weeks when Brian taught that uh, he didn't cover the lesson per se. He, he talked about some things in Joshua. Consensus, as I understand it here this morning, is we covered Lesson 19. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll do a little bit of looking at it, and, uh, and then perhaps we'll look at uh, Bible Bites number 8, since it covers something in, in chapter 18 of Joshua. Uh, lesson 19 covers chapters 13 through 18. <coughs> Does anybody need Lesson 19? Haven't handed out lesson 20. We'll do that today. Did we hand out 20? Okay. And the Bible bites 8 and 9 we have handed out. Okay, I, I didn't remember handing out 20, but I knew I had it ready. Let us pray. Our Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day that you've given us to 
look to you and to honor you in the way that uh, we understand is your desire for us to give you the glory, the adoration, because of the great things that you have done for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray as we look at these things of old that we will understand your loving kindness, but also your justice, and that you, are, you have the desire that all men come to a knowledge of the truth and that salvation may be ours. Bless us, bless those who are not with us, give us good health in physical way, but especially we pray for our spiritual strength in Jesus' name, amen. Is that a little bit too close? Okay, lesson 19, uh, Joshua is commanded to apportion the land, and uh, by the way, here's our famous chart that we've been looking at, and just to show you where we are, uh, over here is the commission to lead the people, conquering the enemy here in this section, and here dividing the spoil, distribution, distribution of the land, <coughs> phase one, given to these tribes, phase two, given to these, except we're in chapter uh, 18, 13, 18, long in here. And then there's phase three where the cities are refuge, the Levites, etc. So we were getting awful close over here, of course, to the end of the book. This is, uh, has something to do with the apportioning of the land, <coughs> which really is in chapter, I don't know, lesson 20, more than 19. But it's simply a chart that shows, uh, a pie chart, chart that shows uh, the pop, the number of different tribes. And you see over here that uh, Dan has 250,000 in it and 250,000 in Issachar. But down here, Ephraim has only 130,000 uh, plus. <coughs> and this, the, who is this right here? Uh, that's Levi. Uh, what does it say? 46,000. They didn't receive a portion of the land. We'll see in just a moment. Anyway, you can see that uh, the number of the different people in each tribe is different, and um, it's in Lesson 20 that we'll discuss that uh, more. So uh, the land, reading where the boundaries of each one of the tribes is, kind of looks like that, uh, pretty close anyway, and the different colors mean showing the different uh, tribes' inheritance. Uh, Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben over here on this side, half-tribe of Manasseh, that is. And so the land was divided among the people. Here we have the cities of refuge. Now, does this lesson or lesson 20 talk about? Yeah, that's lesson 20 talks about cities of refuge. There were six of them, uh, one down here in Hebron, one at Shechem, one up here at Kadesh, Golan, and Ramoth, and uh, Bezer. Uh, we'll talk about that also, I think, in lesson 20. Uh, the Levitical cities, the Levites' inheritance, they didn't even have any tribal uh, land per se, but they did have 48 cities that was distributed to them. And you can't see that map there, but we'll show you a second. Six cities of refuge and escape from vengeance. Lesson uh, 20, Joshua 21, that here's the 48 cities of uh, refuge. And uh, we'll maybe show this next week. But anyway, that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, I lost my balance here. I did so much work out in my yard the other day, my legs are not underneath me. 
I got home and my, my lawn was about so high and I had to mow it as well as other things. Okay. Um, looking at the lesson 19, uh, and if there's any question or comment you want to make on it, uh, Joshua, number one, was commanded and... and, and and if, we, if, there's, if there's some lessons or some points that we're going to bring out as a lesson for us, well, I'd be sure and do that. But I'm just going to rush through it here in a, by way of reviewing uh, what lesson 19, chapters 13 through 18 are about. Uh, that first section there where God, uh, jo Joshua was commanded a portion of the land, it, God indicated in Deuteronomy 22, 722 that the conquest of the land would be gradual. And then number one question, what does God say about Joshua's age? Do you remember that? He's old and well advanced in years. Okay. And the conquest at this point, heck, how long? A long or a short time is the question here. Long and short time is, is uh, relative, isn't it? Uh, we spent two weeks in California, which was a long time in one sense. Uh, but uh, very short and other, isn't it? So it was a long time there in Joshua eleven eighteen. but we'll find out something more about that. And then there's the inheritance of Caleb. And uh, uh, Caleb asked God a, a special inheritance in Judah because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So Caleb conquered two cities. Do you remember which ones they were? Okay, Hebron is one of them, which is south of Jerusalem, about 12 miles. The other one is Debir, or D-E-B-I-R. He conquered both of those, but he wanted Hebron. Uh, I don't know, and I think someone asked whether or not it was because the, the connection with Abraham. Uh, Hebron is, is where the uh, cave of Machpelah was that Abraham bought in order to bury Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah were buried there. Jacob and Isaac were buried there. And let's see, Rachel was not buried there, and neither was Joseph. Joseph was buried on top of Mount Ebal. Anyway, that burial site, someone asked it. If, I don't know if that was significant to Caleb or not. It doesn't give any indication, but he did want to conquer that uh, city. Uh, what kind of people were there? that he conquered the city full of these people. Okay, the, the giants, the Anakim, giants in that land. Uh, I, I notice a note that I put here that Hebron was formerly called Kirith Arba, A-R-B-A. Kirith simply means city. So this city did belong to a, a, some, a, a fellow probably by the name of A-R-B-A. So, um, okay, number three question. Number three, compare Caleb's time reference in Joshua 14 with question two above about how long was the long time that Joshua warred against the king. And this time we have it in the, num in, 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 uh, the number of years. 
We said it was a long time, relatively speaking. How many years was it? 45, did I hear? Okay, Joshua 14, verse 10. <coughs> 45 years. Um, down to the bottom there, number three, the land of Judah. Uh, the borders and the city lotted to uh, Judah. Uh, in the brown down here is, is Judah, but you see over here on the seacoast is where the Philistines were. It mentions here that the Philistine cities uh, are included in the inheritance, though all the Philistines have not been driven from the land. And I want to turn to chapter 17 in just a moment. The same is true of the Jebusites in 15 verse 63. They will not be completely conquered until David takes Jerusalem uh, as a capital city. There are over 100 cities that are listed in indicating more dense population in Canaan, Canaan than generally thought. Uh, it mentions that the Jebusites were till in Jerusalem. Let's see, if I, did this map give us Jerusalem? I can't see it. Yeah, it's right here. You can see that red dot coming up. I can't even see it. Anyway, uh, probably Jerusalem gets its name uh, from the Jebusites, Jebusalem. Uh, that may be the reason it's called Jerusalem. Uh, Salem, of course, is the ending of the, of the name of Jerusalem, and that simply means peace. So uh, anyway, the, the Jebusites were still in Jerusalem, as it was later called, and, got, and David was the one that conquered that city some years later. <coughs> Excuse me. I came back from California with hay fever, allergies, or whatever. Still hanging on. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the Philistines were not uh, fully uh, conquered here on the coast. And uh, even in David's time, David, of course, fought uh, Goliath, and he was a Philistine. Uh, I should say they were not... Uh, they, they were conquered in one sense, but they weren't subdued. Uh, when, when, the, when, the, when Joshua and the people finished their uh, conquering, uh, they didn't war anymore with, with kings but, uh, or in, to, to occupy land, is what I'm saying. But uh, there was quite a population, this uh, last sentence here and under number three, uh, of cities in the land. So, Ted? In the book of Judges, uh, yes, I, I understood, Ted. Uh, in the book of Judges, there were oppressors. Uh, and uh, they were oppressors not from the whole land, but there'd be a section here that they would oppress the people. It was, like I've said before, the, the cities were more or less city-states. Uh, there wasn't a king over the whole, whole land of Canaan. What was so out, Samson? I'm not sure if I understood you, Ted. Samson. Okay, Samson. Got that. Okay, he, he would have been rebellious against that, so, of course, he wouldn't have 
Oh, against the Philistines. Yeah, uh, he's one of the more well-known judges, as they're called. I think that's a misnomer. Uh, I think they, it ought to be deliverer. The, the book of Judges ought to be, be called deliverers. Yeah, but Samson is, is most well-known. He was not the first judge uh, or deliverer, but uh, he had a little bit of trouble with the Philistines, and finally, of course, you know, <laughs> particularly one woman. Wilma? Yeah, yeah, that, that, I think that's, go ahead. Right. Yes, uh, they had issues with uh, people that kind of rebelled against them here and there. Uh, they, they, they occupied it, or all the land, as, a, as that passage that you read says, uh, and they were able to live there peacefully, as it were, except ever so often somebody over there would say, okay, let's take those people, take that city that those people occupy. Uh, what passage was that that you read there? Okay. Okay, and, and, and we, in lesson 20, we'll get into that, but let's go back to, to uh, chapter 17. <clears throat> I believe that's, unless I've got the wrong passage down here. Okay, uh, what they did, uh, I don't know where to begin to read. Let's begin chapter 17, verse 11. Also in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh, had Beth Sheen and all of its villages and Ilbrim and its villages and the inhabitants of Dor and its villages and the inhabitants of Endor and its villages and the inhabitants of Takna and its villages and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages and the third is Naphtah. There, there were villages and the inhabitants around the villages yet the people of, in verse 12, of Manasseh could not take possession of these cities but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. So when a, when people, uh, when a people put other people into forced labor or as slaves, even though they're not driven out, they're conquered in that sense. They're, o they're overcome, if you will, in that sense. But yes, that's a good passage that Wilma brought up in, uh, over there, that everything that God promised uh, as far as the land is concerned, uh, came about. And uh, back when we studied about the premillennial uh, theory, uh, they think still it's not conquered and God's going to give it to them. Um, but 
even, and I don't think I have a map. I'm not sure if I do. Uh, no, I don't. Not on, not on these slides. Uh, the land, as far as the full extent of what God promised them, uh, I, don't have, I don't have Damascus on, the, on any of these maps I have here, but from the river of Egypt, this is the river of Egypt right here. The river of Egypt is not the Nile. Nile's on down over here in Egypt. But from here, and of course even a little further south of that river, but from there God promised them all the way up to the Euphrates River. And it wasn't until the time of Solomon that the whole territory, if you want to call it that, was occupied or overcome or subdued by the Israelites. Uh, but that's getting further into the story than I intended. So uh, the immediate here, where they, where they inherited the land, as far as territory, was not fully uh, conquered or subdued until Solomon was king. Uh, God promised from the river of Egypt to the river of Euphrates, and he, he did fulfill his promise, uh, eventually, shall we say. <coughs> okay. Uh, um, number four, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh. And it mentions there the ones that Ephraim failed to drive out. And what the half-tribe of Manasseh did. And we just read uh, chapter 17, 11 through 13. Uh, and the person who's written these uh, sheets up says there, the responsibility for this failure of drive, driving, not driving them out lies in the lack of faith and resolve of the people, not in some delayed fulfillment of God's promise as suggested by premillennialism. Uh, and so the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh complained to Joshua uh, that their, their portion is not large enough. And so he told them to go out and, uh, and survey, look over. And then he uh, gave them uh, land by, by lots. Uh, so number seven says, locate Ephraim and Manasseh uh, on a map. So you know that uh, my red dot's not working, so I can't see it. Manasseh, up there in the yellow, half-tribe of Manasseh on the east side of Jordan, half-tribe on the west side, and do you see Ephraim, which is uh, right here. Uh, so <coughs> that's one, two tribes that uh, were mentioned here, and that's their location, more or less. Manasseh here, Ephraim here. Shiloh is going to be important. That's a place that we mentioned before. Uh, all of, all of these cities there, Gilgal was where Joshua and the people kind of had their headquarters as they went over and conquered. Uh, Bethel is an important place here in Ephraim. Ai was uh, uh, the famous city that didn't conquer at first. It's also in Ephraim. But the most important city, if you will call it that, is Shiloh there in Ephraim between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. <coughs> and I think that Yes, number five is it talks about Shiloh. <coughs> um, did we discuss no, question number nine, our discussion question number nine, the concept of driving out most of the Canaanites but leaving some alive? What's the concept there? What spiritual application can you make from this to the life of Christians? I don't, I, I don't remember talking about that, did we? Some said we did, and some said we didn't. 
So not, is, is there an application there that uh, uh, we could make today that the people didn't drive, didn't drive the people out of the land, but they conquered them, they made them slaves. What's the consequences of that? What's the issue there that might be applicable to us? Spiritual application you can make from this to the life of a Christian. No application? <laughs> Ted? Yeah. So we have we have a lot. So we're we're surrounded by evil people, but we should not let them influence us. Is that about what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mo, and then Wilma, and. Joyce, do you have your hand up? After Mo and Wilma? I think we chose to be uh, focused on that as well. And that seems to be something that uh, right. the Lord would be beginning to uh, direct us on. Yeah. So we have to, as I was saying a minute ago, that we really try to take in and open our minds and have all these people out there and let the Savior minister right. speak in. And can we do the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You can do the same if you want to uh, keep our uh, eyes on ourselves and on uh, Right. Has our, uh, as a nation, has our nation allowed evil to creep in as compared to 150, 200 years ago? Yeah. And... Uh, the life that we live as Christians can do the same thing. We Christians today were doing things probably that our great-great-grandparents would uh, be amazed at. Uh, Wilma, Joyce, and then Laverne. When we are babes in Christ, babes in Christ, we we still struggle with some things, don't we, from our past, perhaps. So anyway, Joyce. Okay. It was, it was so dusty down there in the San Joaquin Valley, as I told some of you. Washed the dust off my sister's house, and it just came pouring off. She said, uh, 
I've got a lot of old photo albums back there in that closet. If you want to look through them and take whatever photos, the prints, that you, they're not digital, <laughs> that you want. And I took down a photo album. It, just cut, it hadn't been looked at in 20 years or more, probably. It was just covered in dust. Well, that's another place I got dust. And <clears throat> anyway, it was a great time, but it was very dusty. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was the, things are blooming down there that aren't blooming here and don't bloom here. And what blooms here, we get enough rain, it washes out of the air, and I'm not bothered by allergies up here. But down there, they, they hadn't had rain. Well, they had rain before we went down there, but not like we have here. Shiloh, number five. Um, now that the land says has been secured, and I guess that's one way of putting it rather than conquered that we've been using, uh, the tabernacle is erected at Shiloh. What in the world's the tabernacle? It's that tent that they built back there in the desert and they've carried it around, folded it up and so on. And so now it's erected at Shiloh, which was, as I said on the map, a more central location there in Ephraim. And uh, it will, the ark will remain there in Shiloh until it is captured by the Philistines in the days of Eli. Who is Eli? Eli is the judges. Okay. Have anything to do with Samuel? All right. Samuel, Samuel supposedly is sometimes called the last judge, but the Eli is the man that before that that Samuel listened to, etc. So... All the way to then, the tabernacle has remained in Shiloh, but the Philistines captured it, and we mentioned this before. So fr from, from the time that they uh, put the, sh the uh, tabernacle in Shiloh uh, until the time that it was returned during the days of uh, uh, David, yeah, would have been about 400 round figure 400 years. So it wasn't in Shiloh all those 400 years, uh, but it was, uh, that's from the time they put it there until the time that David brought it back, approximately. Um, yes, Mo? The tabernacle remains at Shiloh, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. 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 I'm glad I didn't... I, uh, the ark remained in Shiloh until it was captured by the Philistines. I didn't emphasize that. The tabernacle remained there. They didn't capture the tabernacle. Thanks for making that clear. Uh, they took the ark away, and everybody of the Philistines and then some other people where they put it there in a city, they prospered and everything. And, but anyway, then David brought it back, and that incident with... Uh, I had his name on my mind. Uzzah, yeah, touched the ark and fell down dead. That incident happened. So it was the ark that was taken from Shiloh, and eventually during the David, days of David, it was brought back. <coughs> Good distinction to make there. Mo? Right. Right. Another detail that, as you remember, 
the Israelites kind of thought it was, uh, well, they knew that God had said this is where his presence was. And so if they take it out there to battle, then he'll be out there with us and, and uh, help us to overcome this, uh, these people. But instead, he got captured in the battle, not in Shiloh. Uh, another little distinction there, scripture. Okay. Um, All right, the last question, number 11 there, uh, number 10 is about the city of Shiloh located in Ephraim. Who chose Shiloh as the home for the tabernacle? We've got a Deuteronomy passage there. God did. He All the way back there in Deuteronomy 25, uh, he said that you'll have a permanent home, so to speak, uh, in Shiloh for the ark and the tabernacle. Okay. We're through with like lesson 19, right? We won't be wondering anymore. <laughs> uh, we've got a few minutes yet. Uh, do you have uh, Bible Bites number 18? Uh, number 8, rather. Yeah, 17, 18. If you don't, I'll, uh, I'll pass some around here and you take, take what you need. Uh, this, this has something to do. Maybe you have it? No, take one. If you don't have it, of course, take one. Otherwise, there's more back there on the table. Uh, this is uh, <coughs> Joshua 18, uh, lesson 19. <coughs> Bible Bites number eight. Uh, and I think I've handed out number nine as well, as you always mentioned. There are some more up here in number nine. That the, Number nine has to do with something in chapter 21, so we're, we'll not look at it. But this one has to do with something in chapter 18. Lesson 19 in chapter 18 gets confusing, doesn't it? But lesson 19 covers chapters 13 through 18. The Bible Bites here covers something in chapter 18 of Joshua which says in verse 7, the Levites have no portion among you because the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. So there's something that Scott is making here that is parallel or applicable to us today, something about priesthood. And I think all of us know what we're talking about here without reading this, but let's look at what he says. More than any other tribe in Israel, the Levites were dependent upon their faith to sustain them. Did all of them have to depend on their faith? All the tribes, they did. But what Joshua, I mean, what Scott is saying here is uh, th th they had to depend on their faith to sustain them because they didn't have land, territory like Ephraim, Manasseh, and so on. They had no land to farm and provide. Only the cities God gave them among the other tribes their income was to depend upon the contributions of the nation and the regard for which the other tribes held for the Lord. If the nation turned away from God, the Levites would suffer first and most. God was their portion and their entire existence was entwined with him. So <clears throat> the people were told to give tithes. The Lord says, you tithe your first fruits of your, your crops and so on. And a part of the, what they gave was to sustain the Levites. The Levites were, uh, from the tribe of Levi, the priest 
came. It was a priestly tribe. Priests, was from, priests came from uh, the sons of Aaron. They were, they were Levites. And so what Josh, I keep calling Scott Josh for some reason. What Scott is making here is, are we priests today? Do we have to depend on the Lord today like they did? Uh, and, and it's a spiritual sense, of course, is uh, uh, the answer to that question is yes, yes. Uh, and so uh, there's a parallel between, and, and Peter makes this parallel, uh, you are a royal priest, a holy nation over in First Peter, I believe it is. And so uh, we don't offer sacrifices or we don't offer sacrifices for other people. Uh, animals, bulls and goats and so on. But our sacrifice, as Romans 12, verse 1, 2, 3 uh, says, is our service to God. And so it is with the church, uh, Scott says. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you're, oh, I just got quoted that or almost, didn't I? Forgot it was in this next paragraph. You're a royal priest, uh, a, ra a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from my own possession. Uh, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, next paragraph, our entire lot is intertwined with the Lord. He is our portion and inheritance. If the country we live in honors God, talking about us today, it will be easier for us. If the culture turns against him, it will turn against us too. Lot's heart was vexed every day by the things he saw and heard in Sodom and Gomorrah, 2 Peter 2.17. And this touches on what we were talking about a while ago. More and more we see persecution against people who are called Christians today. And uh, I don't remember who it was that said we need to kill all those Christians. I saw it on the internet the other day. Somebody's saying that today in this, in this country. And it's not just Muslims. So anyway, we're, we have a, a culture that is against us. It may not get in our lifetime like it was uh, during the days of Rome or other nations through the centuries that have persecuted Christians, but uh, uh, only the Lord knows. This last uh, paragraph, if the moral ecology of the society spurns God, it should spurn us too. If it rejects him, it should reject us. If we are in comfort while he is blaspheming, then there is something quite wrong going on in our hearts. What does he mean here? The moral ecology of the society, if it spurns God, it should spurn us too. Has it got to happen? What's, how is he saying that? If he rejects God, then it should reject us. Paul? Go ahead. Are we already experiencing that today? I'll leave it there until we come back to Paul. Go ahead, Paul. Okay, I do interrupt you. Okay, so Paul is saying that if, if people can't, <coughs> can't receive that we're Christians, then we're not what we ought to be. Uh, they, they, some will reject us because they see that we're Christians. But uh, if they don't, 
now, I, I don't think that this means, as Paul said, that we'll be persecuted physically, uh, beat to death, beheaded, and so on. But there's, there's persecution besides that kind of physical persecution. And so, uh, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. Psalm 16, verse 5. So, uh, we should be separate and apart from the world. Not the sense in the sense that we leave it, but we're not a part of it. And the world should be able to see that light that shines in our lives of Jesus Christ. Maybe. Okay. The, the world will know you, but the world yeah, I think what maybe it's saying is, we if we have a positive outlook or positive actions in our lives, uh, people can see it. Not always saying, well, you know, you're you're, you're going to hell. You're not part of us. That's not, not the way. Uh, Gail. Well, maybe even you go someplace amongst people, and you know, they do respect the religion, and they recognize it because of it, and then have a good example. I was so part of it. Even the Coke's worse for you than wine, but <laughs> 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 yeah. no, no, uh, no. The point Gail is making is people people know who, what you are and who you are in that sense. They and, and they'll respect you for it. Many people still do. Uh, of course, there's uh, more and more seemingly people that don't. But uh, anyway, uh, did I hand out lesson twenty? I didn't, did I? I think you got it last week. You got it last week. Okay, I've got some more up here, and I'll put these on the back uh, table there. I appreciate your uh, letting us do that review, and uh, we'll take up the lesson 20 next week. Now, we have in our mind uh, what we're going to study after we finish Joshua, and it's not going to be judges, but we'll let you know more about that uh, as the time gets, and we'll hand out something to say, would this be like what you would look like to look at? So uh, that's in the future.